Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. I know we have a lot of new anime to talk about, but I'm kind of thinking of just scrapping that all and talking about the Macross news from this past week. I don't know what you Die, Harmony Gold! <laughs> I won't believe it until I'm holding a disc in my hand. Yeah, I, I there's still... If anybody didn't hear, they've apparently sorted out the legal hell that has been Macross for the past 30 to 40 years, but I, like we're saying, won't believe that when we see it. I mean, we and the rest of the internet already started micro-analyzing every little scrap yeah. of news that came yeah, out. Yeah, how yeah. could yeah. we not? Like, when the announcement <laughs> is as vague as it was, how could we not over-analyze I mean, every word? I mean, Zig, you were the one pulling up the, the Twitter banner of their new account or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well... So. We'll see where that goes, shall we? Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's that aside, we have a brand new anime season to talk about. We sure do. Spring 2021. Uh, most of the shows are out. There's still a few stragglers that we'll cover later, but we have plenty to talk about today. Uh, it's been a pretty wild start, I think. There's mm-hmm. been some surprises. Some yeah. There's like 10 shows on Saturday. I feel like the way I summarized this season uh, to Eero the other day is I feel like this is the season of first episodes that make you go, huh, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll watch another, I'll watch a few more episodes of that. And right. then we'll, by, by mid-season, we will probably have like three shows left. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, right. Like, I mean, that's not, always this, how it works, right? This is not to apply, well... I guess That's kind of how it was last season too, I think. Yeah, but yeah. Like I'm I feel like say... even more, we have even more interesting first episodes this season, though. Yes, I think I think that's a good way to put it. Is I wouldn't call all the shows that we're about to talk about winners, but they are certainly, well, some of them are interesting. Yeah, and some of them are flat out bad, but we have to take the good with the bad sometimes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, we'll, I'm we'll... I'm always willing to go to bat for something which is like flawed but interesting rather than boring but safe you know so right. so i'm i'm quite intrigued by some of the stuff we've got all right so before we dive into it let's just introduce everybody i'm gel i'm joined by iroh i'm still here uh not dead yet still with us i'm joined by g I want to make it clear in case somebody gets it twisted. We are an anti-Frank Agrima podcast. Need to uh, to make that as uh, as as blatant as possible. <laughs> who, who is that? That is the CEO of Harmony Gold. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, fuck yes. that guy. <laughs> I mean, yes, right. We we've been uh, anti him since you know 1985. We've been calling you out, Frank. Yes, since um, 1985. So and. Uh, you know, with us today, taking a break from his uh, From Software marathon, we have Zig. Is it really a marathon if it's just one game? Also, a game that you said you totally weren't going to replay and then immediately started replaying. <laughs> well, D- look, didn't you didn't I... you start Dark Souls? Yeah, but it sucks. <laughs> well, I did, whether it sucks or not, you were playing it, so you know. Just well, we'll play see. Sekiro, Christ. All right. Anyway, well, the, the we'll point talk about is, Bloodborne uh, another day, but yeah, uh, we, also, we have a lot of anime to cover. Yeah, I just want to use my introduction spiel to say I'm disappointed I was not here to defend Wonder Egg priorities on our last week and um, last episode, sorry, and that's something we'll return to in the future, I think. Yes, whenever they get the... Uh, Wonder Egg party guy, there's enough honor points. <laughs> with its next episode. Well, well what, when is the, the, the... It's supposed to do June its final the 30th, bit in June, right? I think. We June may have 30th. like a... 
we may have set aside a special episode yeah. for that or something. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I would say, anyway. Zig, now you should have cut a promo. You should have pointed at the WrestleMania sign and said, like, <laughs> at WrestleMania, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend the good honor priority, of Wonder Egg priority. That's the is that the is that going to be the uh, the the title card match? Me versus Zig, <laughs> Wonder Wonder Egg priority. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that really a heated enough feud? Like, somebody who's sort of into it versus as, as we who's politely sort of not as we politely it? disagree yeah. on some minor points. <laughs> of the show. No, yeah, exactly. We need the drama. We need the... the well, heat? you see, you said X, but I actually disagree, and I think that X is very effective under the circumstances. Yes, and I think it's 10% less effective. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Truly main event material. Yeah. Let's, uh... Again, we'll, we'll shelve that conversation for another day as well, and let's talk a uh, new anime, or I guess in some cases... Returning anime, as uh-huh. we usually kick things off. So, let's start with our usual warm-up, My Hero Academia. Uh-huh. Yep. Always Do you guys the, have anything interesting the most, to say The most this? known of known quantities. <laughs> always the opening card. You know what? For I, I have something to say about My Hero Academia. We're five seasons in, and we still don't have a good opening. Yeah. Like, yeah. What the, yeah. What the hell? Like, Jujutsu Kaisen had <laughs> two... Two went two for two on openings and at least one for two on endings. And like that show is less than a year old. How the fuck has My Hero Academia been been around since like what, twenty thirteen or something? Something like that. And like yeah. it had one okay opening, and that was the like Overworld one where All Might goes like fucking super ham. <laughs> but I, I didn't hate the very original one. It was fine. Like it's just like I, I, you, you're, you're right, Zig, but it's, it's just like when, when you compare it to like, you know, your Naruto's and Bleach's, which have like a dozen good OPs to their name. It's it's. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but also those ran much longer. Right. Fair enough, but. So what you're know, saying? What you're by saying? By the time you hit is, season five, you should probably have at least one good OP. <laughs> what you're saying, yes. Zig, is that if My Hero Academia had a like, let's say, fifty episode filler arc. That would have some good openings. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that would have been totally worth sure, it. Sure, right? why not? Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, as far as the content of the show, do you guys have anything noteworthy other than it's more My Hero Academia? Dude, it's it's My Hero Academia. Like, yep. y- you know what to expect at this point. Like, Deku want to be the very best. Bak goes a dick. Everybody else is irrelevant. Yep. It's. It's that show. People um, will keep loving Bakugo for no seeming reason at all. Yep. Like, he yeah. gets... Don't don't worry. Everybody's favorite gets plenty of screen time this uh, this season. I mean, I, sounds... I feel like we're being very harsh. It's good. Like, I enjoy it. But... On you the know, other hand, is... Bakugo really does suck. Yes, he absolutely and, does. Yeah, yeah, like, that's the thing, right? Like, we're not here to, like shit on my hero academia it's not a bad anime it's is it is a is it a worse anime than its first two seasons maybe but like all in all it continues to be a competent adaptation of the hit weekly shonen jump manga <laughs> right um uh-huh and there's that's kind of all there is to say right like unless you want to start like summarizing the plot because otherwise like there's not really the, the law of diminishing returns kicks in at yeah, some point. Like, you know, it's no longer fresh and new, and that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's very much settled yeah, in its line right. at this point. Like, it, it's actually like the one that I will bring up because it's so striking in comparison is that the current arc is that the main hero, uh, Deku's class, is 1A, 
and there's another class which is 1B, right? They're the same grade, but different classes. You know, typical, yep. like, classroom situation, right? And there's a class who has not been wrapped up in all this crazy shit. Right. They've kind of been doing their own thing, just, like, being regular students. And now they're having a class 1A versus 1B, like, exercise, right? Oh, tournament yeah. arc. Tournament arc, right? And it's like... Some of the 1B kids are actually legitimately pretty cool. Like, they have fun powers that, like... Yeah get pushed into the 1B class because, like, they're not main character material. So they kind of take on more of a JoJo stand-esque, like, quality to them. Like, they are weirder powers just, like, by their very nature. Right. And that's kind right. of fun. But it's, like, after coming off the fucking, like, amazing tournament arc that was Jujutsu Kaisen's, like... Yeah. Where, like, you know, a girl's power is gun and another girl's <laughs> power is... I can catch bullets with my bare hands. And <laughs> another dude's boogie woogie. Is boogie woogie. <laughs> like, it's just... This is just not nearly as, like... It's, it's just coming off of something that hot. Like, this is just not nearly as exciting. Yeah. I, I've, I've found my Jujutsu Kaisen marathon has ruined my enjoyment of all action sequences lately. <laughs> yeah, fair Saku enough. Park is... Uh, so... <laughs> We'll talk yeah. about that on some other shows later, but <laughs> man, yeah. I, it's like every 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 action sequence I've seen this season has been like, man, but what if Sungho Park directed this? <laughs> right, like, what if he drifted a little bit more? Like, uh, I had to go back and rewatch those fights with Jujutsu Kaisen, and it, you realize, wait, Yuji is drifting. Like, that's what he's doing <laughs> yes, in he this did, fight. Yes, now that you mentioned he it, is drifting. Drift. Look, <laughs> yeah. the, the man it's introduced like... himself to the world by having horses drift on right, a line. Like, <laughs> it's right. the Sungho Park classic, right? Because I was about to say, the only thing Jujutsu Kaisen doesn't have is drifting. I was like, wait, no, it totally does. He like <laughs> Well, I got I got to rein this in because we can't make this about yeah. That's all we. Again, it's but... telling that this is what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about my hero. My, academia. That, that, that's yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of the hot new thing now. And my hero academia is kind of the old. I don't want to say old news, but it's it's the the old standby, right? Like. What if Sunghu Park directed the next Fast and Furious film? <laughs> oh man, don't even get me started. Okay, I'm done. Fast and yes. Furious the animation. Right. Uh I mean, All those right. films are basically cartoons anyway yes, at this yes. point. Yes, I think you could apply many of the same directing principles to those movies, and it would be great. Um, all right, so let's let's move along to uh, Megalobox. Yeah, Megalobox Nomad. to Nomad. Nomad. Uh, this is the sequel to Megalobox that we did not expect, and it's set seven years in the future. Is that mm-hmm. yeah. correct? Um. Yep. And they've got uh, Joe back in the game somehow. And uh, uh, is he for a like Joe the in the gutter? Yeah. Okay. If 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 the game is who could pick the most drugs off of the ground of a dirty bathroom? Oh, then okay. Yes, Joe is is winning very hard. <laughs> okay, so we, they've started. Okay, so they've started him off at rock bottom, right? So, so you're oh, telling oh, me yeah. it's a traditional boxing story, then? Yes. Yes. Oh, definitely. Oh yeah. We watched like, episode two this morning, and it, it's. It was a very it was a very good episode, but it was very good in the ways that me and Eero love, where it's like we call a thing about ten seconds before it happens. Um uh-huh. Yeah, I mean that was the whole first season of Megalobox, yeah. right? <laughs> but it's it's just executed with such like I mean, so that's the thing, right? It it's Megalobox, it's you know, it is the like uh, like spiritual successor to Ashita no Jo, you know, the classic legendary boxing manga. Um it is a sequel, right? Joe is clearly... It's been seven years since his big win in the first anime, and he has clearly fallen on hard times, and 
like yeah. Megalobox the first, I think that what <laughs> Nomad does very well is it continues to execute extremely strongly on its vision of what its story is. And that story is not necessarily complex in any way. Or complex, but it is it is very well done, and I would actually say tonally it does seem to be making a point of distinguishing itself from its predecessor. Um how so? Yeah. Because like when I think of Megalobox One, you're right. I don't necessarily think of its incredible plot. You know, I think of its ambiance, of its aesthetic, all that kind of stuff. You know, how have they changed that up? So that part is definitely like that's still the same old Megalobox, right? Like great sense of setting, right? Like you know, gritty, grimy, you know, backgrounds. You can feel the dust in the air, like. You know, that part of Megalobox is still the same old. I think the thing that's really kind of sticking out to me is kind of like... There's a very, like, real, like... There's a very real, like, grim melancholy to to the show. Like, you know, and, and admittedly we are still in the parts of the story that are, like, you know, Joe at his, at his lowest before he yeah. pulls himself back up. But I think that what's working for me is that they are exploring some interesting, like... Some interesting subplots that I think are interesting specifically in the ways that they are in conversation with the original Ashitano Joe. And the main I think I think I think the main like theme that is coming up in, in this season right now, at least for now, is kind of how much is Pride actually worth? And the reason for that is that Joe sort of meets a new rival character who goes by Chief. And and Chief is like this like really like big gentle giant of a man like very amicable he plays the guitar he hangs out with the kids like uh-huh. he, he Talks, jokes ar- jokes with the old ladies yeah yeah he dances with old ladies at at festivals you know like a real nice guy right but so he's he's, also, like, the, he's the villain is what you're saying <laughs> well he is a, he is yeah he is a megaloboxer you know like joe and joe's whole thing so so the thing i want to bring up is a. Uh, Despite how far Joe has fallen, the one thing that has not changed is he won't do rigged fights. Like, even now, even though he's addicted to drugs and drinking his life away and, like, drifting from one arena to the next, the one thing he always makes clear, he only fights fair, right? He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't throw fights. He doesn't, like, do any of that insider betting stuff that goes on. Chief, on the other hand, does all of that shit. He, <laughs> he throws fights all the time, right? He, he, he is happy to play the punching bag for a paycheck. And at first it's like, okay, so they're setting up these dudes as contrasts, right? Like, and and the, it, I think it pays off pretty well in the second episode where it's revealed that in the years since the original Megalobox, there has been some sort of refugee crisis and that there's been a huge influx of Latin American coded immigrants um, to hmm. wherever Megalobox world is. Like, it's never really made clear where it takes place in. I mean, I assume this is a very obvious and deliberate parallel to real-life uh, sentiments, let's say. Yes, yes, because yeah. turns out Chief, Chief boxes because he is a part of that immigrant community. And this immigrant community, like many immigrant communities, is very strongly disliked by the native population. They kind of start getting into this in episode two. You know, a lot of like, you know, go back to where you came from and all that stuff, right? And it turns out that Chief's rationale for the way he fights is that this is how he survives in this world, right? Like, as an immigrant, as like a dude who has nothing to his name but his huge body and powerful fists, like, 
this is how he can survive, and this is how he can support, like, his community. You gotta put and, food on the table, right? Exactly, and, like, yeah, it, it what, kind of sets what, up this... What is your pride of punching your way to the top of Megalonia worth right. when you don't even right. have a home? Like... Exactly, and it kind of begins to immediately set up a really interesting dynamic between these two characters. And, again, it's, it's hard to set, tell, like, you know, what's the payoff on this all gonna be, but for now, I think... Megalobox 2 uh, Nomad is, is is doing a pretty damn good job at least you know for what I want out of the story to uh, set up some interesting uh, some interesting plot threads I think that is a um, I think that is a really interesting angle to take because obviously I think one of the great strengths of the original Megalobox was you know Joe's emphasis on fighting fair when he's surrounded by all these you know corrupt backhanders and everything like that so to kind of spin that and make that the question, you know, like, like, what right. is your honor actually worth, you know, back here in the real world? I think that's a really clever play to yeah, take that character. And like in how, direction. like how Zig just jumped to the conclusion that he was the villain. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. The way you got, because that's how the, <laughs> that character is usually right. portrayed, right? But then and when you we make are it like, also only have two episodes in, but, right, right. So I mean, you know, given you know that it's so early, they could easily you know, make make it so he's actually, like, you know, stealing from kids or something later, right? But as of right now, anyway, it's, it at least, you know, makes you question, is he the bad guy? Like, that kind of thing. You know, yeah. is it so wrong for him to be doing what he's doing when, like, you, know, you know, there's this much positive impact, I guess? Yeah, and this is not to say that this is not still Megalobox, because, spoilers, uh-huh. Chief is fighting because he literally has to save the rec center from getting involved <laughs> by right. an evil land magnet. Really so, like, subtle, right? You yeah. know, it's... <laughs> It's still <laughs> <Megalobox>. <laughs> yeah, but, but still, the concept, right? But is yeah, it's it's just it's really different. well done. Yeah, like yeah. It's just, I I think it will. Be... Am... Sorry. Oh no, go on, Jay. Go on. No, no, you can go. Uh, I was just going to say, I think it's, I think how much they challenge the prevailing idea of you know Joe being the moral upstanding character at the center of the story will be. Uh, will be the most interesting part there, you know, like, will he compromise his principles to help people, you know, will he, or, like, will it be a studying contrast between him and Chief or, or whoever, whatever other characters they choose right. to, you know, put into the narrative there? Yeah, the, the, the one last thing I will say before we move on, and this is, like, the other interesting wrinkle that I, I talked about this with Eero, we don't know how long this will stick because, like, at the end of the day, this is a boxing anime. Yeah. But at the end of episode two, the thing that actually changes is that Joe agrees to coach Chief. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Joe becomes right. a coach rather than a boxer. And that's actually the thing that's like, huh, okay. Because, like, one of the biggest, like, connections in the original uh, the first anime was, was Joe's relationship with Nanbu, right? His yes, uh, eye-patched he's... coach guy. Coach yeah. slash mentor slash partner in crime. Yeah, all look, of these look, things. Yeah. Yeah. Nanu wasn't perfect, but <laughs> he, he cut his own eye out for Joe in the end. So, yeah. like, you yeah. know, it's easy to forgive a lot of that in the end. But, but yeah, so the idea of like Joe becoming a coach in of, of himself, right? It's like, you know, Ear and I are kind of already like speculating, like, oh, it's like, is this going to be like how Joe, like, you know, walks a day in Nanbu's shoes and right because because like, he is like over these episodes almost practically haunted by Nanbu's ghost yes like almost literally uh 
I mean, when seeing him, you know, off the side and stuff. I mean, when when he becomes Chief's coach, is that is there any sort of understanding that Chief will stop throwing matches, or is is that uh, yet to be resolved? Chief intends to enter the big tournament in the city uh-huh. to get enough money for the uh, to save the you know migrant camp. Yep. Yeah, but of course, like that also brings up how in like in season one, once Joe got far enough in Megalonia, like they tried to get him to throw yes. and stuff, yeah. and so it does bring up that implicit question of right. even with Joe as a coach, how far up is Chief willing to go before the selling out? You know, yeah, yeah, and like there's also still a tension of like. Joe dramatically throws his pills away at the end of episode mm-hmm. two, but like he is still an addict and he is still going through withdrawals. Yeah, not not so, quite like, that easy, I'm afraid. Yeah, there's a. I just think that like you know, it's easy to like you know just like like list all these things out. It's very like standard gritty you know, yeah. underdog story mm-hmm. rised back to the top. But like it's just the way Megalobox executes on all of this. It's just yeah. so so well done that I, I I still get like completely sold on it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I, I think. You know, making, like I said, I think making a moral quandary the heart of the story this time round uh, is a good build from the, on those themes from the first series, you know, and, and it will be interesting to see, you know, how far Joe's code will bend or break based on that, you know. Yeah. Right. Like, and will he is... compromise? He only compromises in the unlimited boxing works route. <laughs> <laughs> and now all right. there's lots of lovely acoustic guitar and the, Hell yeah. the music, and all of the episode titles are in Spanish. Oh, yeah, they're all in Spanish now. <laughs> uh, is there any an theming? Detail, like, actually. the way the first season had, like, death in every title, can you tell if there's any Not theming? Yeah, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, it's only two episodes, right? Sure. Yeah. They all but... seem to kind of be leaning more into, like,. I don't know. Would you call it like more morally gray sentiments, right? Like, what was the name of episode two? It was like something about cowards and and. Uh, uh let's see here. Episode yeah, I'm sorry one. I spring that on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're the uh, one who looked them up, so it's true. I did look them up. <laughs> episode one was uh, the ghosts hum a requiem, and episode two was a despair gives courage to cowards. Right, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Right, so. All right. You know, not not quite the same like obvious uh, theme yet, but we may find out over time. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we really got to move on here. So I know, uh, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about that throughout the season, I'm sure. But uh, let's move on to our other big known the quantity big uh, uh-huh. this season. S S S S S S S Steina Xenon. Scarred souls shine like stars. God, that's so good. Steina Xenon. Is it though? Is it? Yes. It's so good. Yeah, that's pretty great. So, um, can, can I start on this one? Okay. Well, hang, hang on one second. So, again, reminder, this is the sequel to SSSSSS Gridman uh, from ho- however many years ago that was. Uh, 2018. Yeah, this is, uh, at least so far, not directly connected to that in any way. It's new cast, new setting and everything so far New premise basically yeah, yeah so where it's kind of a fresh start but kind of same mood i guess yeah but uh you know zig if you want to go ahead uh i mean on that note i think the thing which surprised me about this was how that how much they have pushed that mood aspect of it and how this show is like straight out of the gate it's even like more weirder and disconcerting and disconnected than 
Gridman occasionally was, you know, because I think one of the things Gridman did was through its storytelling and its visual style and everything, it, it emphasized a sense of detachment and isolation a lot. And Dinozenon, you know, they've they've almost gone full art house on this, you know, there's there's like hard cuts, there's weird camera angles, long, awkward mm. held shots, you know, it, it feels the... like that they, they went even harder on that aspect of it. Like I always say it's the the spirit of old Gynax <laughs> yeah, I mean, very yeah. much so. Like, I mean, you know, I, I think it's like you know, like like I, I I talk about it a lot, but it's like both. I think the thing Trigger actually maybe inherited from Gynax that Gynax also were like the undisputed masters of was like timing. Like, I it, it's it, it is the only it is the only studio I feel like I have I, I ever mention it, but like just their sense of pacing and the way they time their shots, like the way they time their animations, it's. I feel yeah. like there are very few studios who do it that way. Right, but I, I think before Gridman, that was mostly in the sense of either setting up incredible action sequences or setting up jokes. Right, you know? but I guess what I mean is that they, they had that, like... Right. They had that skill set all when, Right, right when absolutely. I say, but... th- when I say old Gynax, I mean, this feels almost more like Ano or Suramaki era... Right, totally. ...type of uh, I mean, Gynax like, directing. Like, even something as goofy as, like, Fooly Cooly had tons of those kind of shots. Oh, right? yeah, like, right. Like, Fooly... Lovely, lingering shots. Fooly Cooly like... is a very sad show on some level. And it has oh, a lot... Yeah. It, it ha- there's a lot of slow, quiet yeah, bits like in Fooly Cooly. Like... They've always been very good at that kind of stuff. This yeah. one cut in episode two of Denizinon that stood out to me as this where like we we have the dumb gag of gauma enters the bathroom and <laughs> yes. gets in the gets yes. in the tub <laughs> and they're arguing about this and like mid-sentence it cuts to um to minami in her bathtub and like the sentence being said is the same or whatever like in the background of of like her yeah. room and you're you you're like wait what's going on for a second and then you go oh her parents are arguing in the yeah. other room yeah it's, it's yeah. yeah and then we um, and then we cut back <laughs> to Gauma I'd also like to point her. out in that sequence as well that the exquisite timing of Galma stepping down off the step <laughs> and the bubble coming out of the tap to continue to hide his junk is terrific <laughs> yeah that, that's it's, it's you you know they're yeah. doing the thing right yeah. of course they're doing yeah. the classic like Ava gag so. But, so I guess one of the some of the differences here. I mean, we mentioned Gauma, who appears to be an adult and is part of the team, which is a bit different. And also, it takes like four different people to pilot Dynazine mm-hmm. right. versus you know the one chosen kid piloting Gridman or whatever, which makes the dynamic a little bit different. And they can kind of interchange mm-hmm. parts and everything. I, I think but, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Gene. I was gonna say I think the thing that's really sticking to me with Dinozenon so far is like I, I totally agree with, with what you said, Zig. But I think that the thing that for me is like really working is actually in the ways that like Dinozenon is already slowly starting to kind of strike out on its own in like some very key ways in in in, in its presentation and also its characterization. Like I think that yeah, Dinozenon is definitely like going a little bit more even more art house in some ways, but I think it's also like there, there are some noticeable details that I think are like intentionally different, right? Like we don't have we don't have ominous kaiju looming in the distance in in Dinozenon, right? Like, I, I mean, episode uh, two explicitly shows that there is no reset this exactly, time. There is right. there are consequences, exactly. and like, that's a huge shift. Definitely, definitely, and 
I think that even like the character dynamics themselves actually kind of surprised me, right? Like, like Yume get in in episode one very much gets you know she is clearly being set up as like sort of the like Rika adjacent character, mm-hmm. but then I think they do something very smart in episode two where like that scene where like Yume takes Yomogi to like the aftermath of like their mm-hmm. fight, like she's like follow me, I want you take I want to take you somewhere, right? And like shows him the like consequences of their actions like it actually speaks volumes in like some small ways into how actually even if she won't like you know she's unable to to say like this is why we need to fight or whatever but right but it's very clear that's her intention right like she's actually very like i think in at least starting out i think the the assumption was going to be oh is yume going to be the reluctant one but she's actually like fairly invested in this like dynazenon setup and yomogi is the one who needs to be dragged into it i i I feel like there's uh there's there's something about his incessant need to work like they're seeding something there yeah like yeah i I think episode one is like he just wants to avoid being home as much as possible yeah i think i think that's kind of a thematic thing they're going for with like you know what's more important in your life your your dumb you know, part-time job at the convenience store or, you know, actually helping people or something. Which... Piloting this sick robot. <laughs> right. Right, um, but, but that, you know what I mean? I, I don't think that the... I, I think a lot of the surface appearance of this show is going to fall away as we go along. You know, I think that... I mean, so, for example, with Yomogi, you know, like, I think the easy story telling assumption would be well like he wants like he hates his home he hates his home life he wants to become independent he's working to right to like earn money and stuff but we see his mom and his grandma and like they seem perfectly fine you know it's not right. like he's from a broken home or anything you know so so what's the angle there you know they've already right, that's the thing. I, I, th- they've already successfully avoided the the obvious cliche there yeah Right, and that is that is definitely the thing I'm I'm definitely looking forward to, right? Like you know, on on the flip side, like I'm really interested in seeing like with Yume, like I feel like they're already beginning to start to set up like does her messiah like messiah complex is probably the wrong word, right? But it is her like like is her like actual like surprising willingness to completely engage with this strange man and his robot toys because like how is that related to her sister, right? They're very much clearly setting up that right that link there and. I, I think that because because of that right and like you know we haven't even gotten to like the other two characters right the mm-hmm. uh, the the neat whose name I keep forgetting and his his cousin right like I'm really interested up... I'm really interested in what her deal is right because she explicitly doesn't she doesn't <laughs> get a great one. shot where God was hitting out the toys and <laughs> she doesn't get one <laughs> okay so and, let and me, then there's let me... the OP which I don't want to look too deeply into but the OP has a lot of stuff going on in it and it's like. Oh, the the OP has misled us before. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. yeah. but uh, well, the thing I will point out, I'm not sure if you guys remember this detail from from Gridman, but the thing she picks up is one of the like pearls that Akade used in season one to make the kaiju. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, there's. I I mean so, I I said this on the preview episode, but I think this will be one of those cases where you know initially we only have a very ah, a very very loose connection to Gridman, and I think. As time goes by and we peel back the layers, you know, we will see some right. more explicit links. Yeah, I mean, just like, just like the first series, there were a lot of mysteries that got unraveled. I'm sure that'll be the case here. 
Um, I was going to throw out with the, with the cousin character, not getting to be part of Dinazenon. What are the odds that Gamma is dead by episode six and she has to take over? (laughs) I I think there's a fairly solid chance that happens. He's not in the ending. I'm curious how it goes because I think, I think the way Gamma is, is framed in this show, it's like, he is like the one. He is the X factor that has us going. Like, okay, so how is this dude connected to Gridman, right? Like, what is <clears> right? He's like somebody entrusted me with the Dino Dragon, right? But, and but like his also... connection with the you know amazingly named Kaiju Eugenicists, <laughs> you know, the villains, uh, the, the seemingly villains of this uh, this show, right? The, uh, but also the... in sort of on a meta level as well, he doesn't fit into this story. You know, right, he is a very, very interesting. To he me. he is a very you know he is. He is the cliche trigger slash Gynax hero. You know, he's the big dumb guy who means well and is everybody's favourite, you know, and, and that's great and that character archetype still works fine, you know, you look at Promare, but he seems so out of place in this right. much and more guess, introspective universe. Yeah. But for me that's kinda of why I think it's interesting, right? Like I wanna see how a character like that interacts with a a universe that is clearly much more like yeah, introspective. And I think it's a, is, I think it's a deliberate creative choice, definitely. Right, definitely. And the thing I'm, I can't, I don't know if I can call this a spoiler because this is information from the original Tokusatsu Gridman show, but like, someone on Twitter like like noticed this and it became more apparent with the reveal of the OP. Apparently. <clears throat> Apparently, there's a mummy who comes back to life in the original Gridman. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you yeah. look at Gamba's design, and he's, like, covered in bandages, and it's like, what's going on here? I, I think, you know, I, I think that... Um... And, and specifically, that mummy has a medallion that is um, right, the medallion that yeah. is shown in the OP. So, they get the, so that's how they get the, like, Dino Dragon in the original yes. Gridman. Is like, so they, like... they, like, revive a dinosaur or something, <laughs> and it turns to... You know, the normal stuff. And so it's like, okay, that's not to say, ah, this links up one-to-one, of course, the show is free to do any kind of, like, swerve or red herring with that stuff, but it does have you going, like, all right, well, what are you doing here, Dinozenon? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I think Gridman, it ties back to Gridman the Hyper Agent, the Tokusatsu show. Were, right. They were more thematic and stylistic than necessarily, you know, a a minute, you know... Oh, definitely. Uh, um, right. like lore connection you know I mean technically SSSS Gridman is a, a sequel to the Tokusatsu show but like there's you don't really need to have known anything right. about it you know it's more right. like I said a thematic thing right and that's kind of the case here as well where uh, I have a feeling if you didn't watch the Gridman anime it would have probably wouldn't have mattered much either but right. at least so far well, we'll so see. far I, I do uh, think that if you haven't watched SSSS Gridman yet, I would highly Yeah, I mean, you should it. watch it. Yes. <laughs> it's good. Right. Um, one more thing, and we, then we really need to move on. My favorite little detail was uh, when they're, like, replaying the first fight from the <laughs> oh, Yumogi's so perspective. Good. You probably, yes. you guys know where I'm going with this? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
it kind of implies that they actually hear the OP music yes. in universe. <laughs> it's diegetic sound. Uh. <laughs> so, so like you hear you, you can actually hear it playing outside, like it's right, actually you hear, happening. You hear the muffling of it when they're inside the mech. Yeah, it's that, it's so good. So that that was my personal favorite detail. But um yeah, my, my, my personal <clears throat> favorite detail I'll bring it real quick is I find it very funny that Gamma handed out the toys. Yes. And Gamma's such a great guy, he didn't even keep he didn't even keep the dragon for himself. He gave it to Yomogi, his new friend. Right. You know, like Gama kept the shitty legs for himself. <laughs> like, that's how you know he's a good friend is he gives yes. the best parts to his friends first. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that show's pretty good and definitely looking forward to more on that. Yeah. But we have a lot more anime to talk oh, about. No. And we're already 36 <laughs> minutes into this podcast. Yep. So, um, I'll leave this one to you guys. <clears throat> oh, let's get, let's God. get to the new shows. I've lumped a couple of together because they're somewhat, uh, uh-huh. similar in some ways so the first two shows i would describe as uh alternate history fantasy pre-war japan shows that probably could have stood to have higher production values mm-hmm. <laughs> uh the first being uh joran the princess of snow and blood yep uh this was a a show about um well i don't know if we i, I only watched the first episode yeah, but the me too. it's a it's kind of a revenge story thing a bit. It, it seems think. to be going for a lot of different it's, things at the same time. That's like the a, general direction with the main character, of, I guess. Like but... Spy Squad, who are after monsters, and the main the main character seems to be like part monster, so she could fight them right. with her magical girl transformation. Yeah, um, I don't know if she's supposed to be like based on you know the Yuki Ona or something like that, but. Uh... Yeah, she has she has part monster powers or something. I do of... really like the like thick line brush effect when she powers up, and also the like how the the aura passes over her face and you see through to the skull underneath right. uh, effect. And then they start fighting, and I go, "Man, what if Sung Hoo Park directed this?" Yes, exactly. We um, cannot keep using that. Like, okay, then that, fine. Let's use the other obvious comparison. What if the people who made Sirius the Jaeger worked on this? Yeah, it does no, seem the, to the, lack a certain mm-hmm. spark. Yeah. The, the, for, first of all, I was surprised how action heavy it actually was. Like, yeah, there, there's. I mean, we had the, the the lady pulling out her crossbow umbrella thing, which yeah, was pretty cool. that was pretty good. Uh, um, and the the other guy had, like, a heat sword thing. And, yeah. Uh, like, stuff I was not expecting from the show. I think um, that is stuff they, you front load, though, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, all that was cool, but like like you said, it felt like it was lacking a bit of spark. Like, I don't know if it was just, like, and, and the like, animation itself was, like, it was fine. Yeah, I don't think it looks it, terrible. Like, I, I, it, I think... It felt like it needed some extra oomph to it, I guess. Yeah, th- there's just... I don't know. It's not quite smart enough to be, like, a political come espionage thriller, and it's not quite dumb enough to be a pure action show. Right. And, you know, there are encouraging signs of both ends of that dichotomy. But, yeah, it's just... It, just missing that je ne sais quoi you know it's uh it's a little um hard to put my finger on yeah yeah it was pretty cool when the lady was shooting arrows out of her parasol and blocking bullets with it and whatnot but uh yeah it's yeah i i mean it was it was pretty pretty solid but it was just like some needs something to put it over the edge. Yeah, I plan to i plan to give it a few more episodes you know i should really catch up and watch that second episode 
yeah what about the other get... show here you have listed yeah so the uh, so the other one we'll, we'll mention mars right i don't know if any of you all watched it but, unfortunately um, not. nope nope this was this ended up being more of like uh so it's about again it's set pre-war like 20s 30s japan and this guy is like part of some secret military division that uh monitors the activity of vampires that have appeared in Japan and either takes them in and tries to have them join the force or if they refuse to join or can't be controlled, then he kills them. Okay. So he, so it, it kicks off with him picking up this, uh, this lady who was like an actress and then she just like freaked out and killed a bunch of people and she turned out to be a vampire and she's like super mysterious and it's kind of going for this like, vampire romance thing type of thing um i this was much more of like uh well first of all let me note this is very strange because this is an adaptation of a stage play Uh, (laughs) apparently okay it's very first it's very theatrical it happens occasionally but yeah it's weird and again um i like what they were going for the presentation it was very like artsy and theatrical but they just did not have the technical uh ability uh you know resources to pull it off to the degree i think that they wanted to but i feel like their heart was in the right place and it was actually pretty interesting like i i do like that kind of stuff so it was actually kind of interesting in that regard but i don't know if they're gonna be i don't know it it was (laughs) it was a little rough to watch from the technical point of view on it but uh in the end i think she oh no she she doesn't actually turn into a vampire but it gets close but the i think that's going to be kind of what they're going for um some sort of vampire romance type thing uh the other (laughs) other fun point i'll just throw out there they actually had the dub ready for the first episode Hmm. and uh they had some pretty fantastic and i'm making air quotes with my hands very fantastic uh accents in this episode they had one character with a hell yeah chimney sweep british accent (laughs) and then another character was like 1930s New York news newsboy. Oh, um, did they go? Fixed. Did they go full Dick Van Dyke on it? it yeah, it was, it was it was pretty close. But the the other the other one the the New York one was a girl and she was like, "Hey, Mister, can you let me into the theater?" I'm like, "Oh God, here we go." Oh no, it was, boy, it's pretty pretty great. I'm walking here. Yeah, <laughs> and I you know once again I, I'm from I'm from New York and I can't do that accent, but um, <laughs> even so that was fun. But yeah. It was, it was a pretty neat show. I might give it another episode, but I, I don't know. I don't I just don't think they have the chops to execute what they're going for. But um, I, I appreciate their ambition with it. All right, <clears throat> let's move on to my other things uh-huh, I've lumped together. Uh-huh. These, are, you know, like I said, we got to take the good with the bad sometimes. Mm. Uh, and I wanted to mention the two shows about adult salarymen romancing high school girls. Uh huh. Ah, so this is the good, clearly. Uh, not, not, both these shows were bad. I was surprised. Oh, the dichotomy here is, would you like your grooming aggressive and quote-unquote comedic or subtle and insidious? Oh, well, here's the thing. Hmm. I don't think the first one was even grooming. He's just outright, like, I want... Hitting on her. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, you know, let's... let's uh, yeah, use so a blanket we'll, we'll, let's, term, shall right. we? Yeah, let, let's just name the so, shows first. Yeah. The first one is Koikimo. I, I'm not going to go look up what the full title is. That's the abbreviated title that uh-huh. everyone's calling it. Uh, I think even on 
the streaming site i forget if it's on crunchyroll or where it is just has koi kimo they don't have the full title right so this one again these are both yeah. about adult salary men romancing high school right. girls this, but this one like the guy knows the uh this high school girl's sister or something and so they meet and he's like he like tries to hit on her he's, he's her older he's her best friend's older brother isn't it right that's, right that's yeah. it and she's like he tries to hit on her, and she's like, "Gross! This weird, this weird adults try to hit on me." And then, he, <laughs> right. and then he's like, "That's so hot." Right, because he's so he's like this super hot womanizer guy, and <clears throat> right. no, you know, no woman ever says no to him. So that when she says uh, no to him, he he gets off on that basically. The thrill of a chase, which right. only encourages him to continue to pursue her, uh, despite her continuing to say, "Get away from me, you creep." Yeah, um, but she's so occasionally won over by the charming, right, uh, that, you know, uh, earnestness of his attempts, as is right. necessary for any story this icky to work. Right. So that's all as bad as it sounds. Um, and as Zig was saying with the other show, uh, He a Hero. Again, I can't be asked to look up the whole title. The uh, it's it's a little more uh, insidious because the, the the concept with this one is this guy you know runs into this girl in the middle of the night who um, has apparently been selling her she's a runaway and she's been selling herself to get by basically and she tries to you know seduce him and he's not having any of it because he's not into you know children uh-huh, uh-huh. but Except he can't he is what, what is what are you go- where are you going here <laughs> but but he can't you know he can't just leave her out there so she she asks if she can just stay with him anyway and he agrees to just let her stay basically it ends up with him agreeing to let her stay with him until she can get like a real job and get on her feet and that in itself is weird but probably not awful but there is a way you can play that story to play up the weirdness as part of the part of the wrongness of the premise and then you know pivot on it but they they make it pretty clear that we are going in a romance direction Mm. like so like the guy at first is like i'm not very explicitly i'm not interested in her at all but by the end he's like ah she's kind of cute or whatever so like i'm like and I mean, the show is billed as a romance. I mean, yep. it's not a surprise that that's the direction they're going. Um, so, you know. Oh, so we have. As soon the... as you add that element, especially to that situation with an adult that is in a position to take advantage of a child, is like, nope. I mean, yeah, like the power dynamics there are even more fucked than they would be normally, quite frankly. So right, yeah. like in the first show, I mean, the girl can go back home or something like she's not like like this this guy is basically in charge of her life at the moment like he's providing food and shelter Mm. for for her uh it's very icky um so you know pick your poison on that one just weird that we got two shows like that in one uh (laughs) season yeah but uh yeah if you're looking for fun romantic comedies uh look elsewhere the season this is not the season but uh, what what did you say, Iro? I said look elsewhere. Yes, look elsewhere. I don't think you're gonna find one this season, though, as we'll get to uh, hmm. later. But whoa. Um. All right, let's yeah. keep moving. 
let's talk about uh, I don't know how you're actually supposed Vivi. to pronounce this VV fluoride fluoride eyes song. Did any of you guys watch this one or was it just me? Yeah, we watched. Uh, okay, G and I watched the first episode. I I actually did catch the second episode uh, okay. like last night. It was like it was like one in the morning. Sure. I was like, by yeah, by yeah. second ah, episode, it, do you mean the third episode? Because it <laughs> no, was two. No, only okay. the second. Only the second. Just right. I know okay. this aired with two episodes at the beginning, and I only saw the first episode of that. I I have not seen this, so. Yeah, so this is uh my 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 pitch for this was what what if um what if you replaced Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator with Hatsune Miku? Yeah, which, what if Miku was uh <laughs> is I'll be back. Not not quite <laughs> not not quite what the actual plot is, but it is like Except uh, also like Jell, you say this, but like after watching the first episode, isn't Miku technically like John Connor in this analogy? Like uh, because I think the, I mean realistically the analogy the does not timeline so realistically like, the, the one going back in time realistically the analogy does not work <laughs> no but right yes i get it for the sake so, of a good headline yes miku is the terminator the plot of this yeah, um is, the well i guess you watched more so go ahead yeah so so the idea is uh there are ais the humanity has created these advanced ais they don't work great so they have to like hyper specialize each one to only do like one thing Right, and somehow a hundred years in the future, everything goes wrong to where the AIs have just decided to kill all humanity, and uh, as the sort of last ditch effort to save humankind, this uh, scientist guy sends uh, another AI back to a hundred years in the past to this one AI that was like the first like fully autonomous AI and just happened to be like a singer at a theme like park, a, yeah, at a theme park, and but but she has like full autonomy to like make decisions yeah. and things like that that's at why first i was like wait you built your first fully autonomous <laughs> ai and you basically gave her the job of an animatronic Chuck E. cheese <laughs> yes uh, but but then i thought more about it and i was like well that the kind of checks out you wouldn't you want your it. first fully autonomous ai to work <laughs> at say a nuclear power yeah. plant or like right. you know handling the stakes... codes for the nukes <laughs> right give it a low stakes job right yeah. but um and i I thought there were some interesting, like, concepts things going on, like, a bit, like, there's a bit of interesting world building and things kind of, like, as to how the AIs function in this world, yeah. and... Um... I will say, this was a very minor thing in episode one, but when the, it's because we get this extended sequence of, like, the robots killing humans, but, oh, yeah. like, the fucking camera drones, like... Oh, like, human spotted, and instead of pulling out a, like, gun or something, they just fly at terminal velocity into the human's head. Like, right. It's pretty, it's, <laughs> it's like, a man, it's a all right. Well, I think, but, I think, because that was at the theme park, I don't think yeah. they were, like, designed for combat, right? right? That's, like, why, that's, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, it's yeah, what makes right. it, like, oh, jeez, okay, yeah, gosh. Like, oh, God, right. It's, yeah. It's... Yeah, because yeah, the whole, so, like, I, I think reading the description of the show i thought it was going to be more of like a musical type of mm -hmm. fun idol show or something but like the first like opening minute of the show is is all humanity getting murdered yeah. so like there's yeah. no question as to like <laughs> what is well, uh the, the vibe i get from it right is that like <clears throat> singing you know singing is like the core value that was put inside of um diva our, inside of diva but like very clearly like the focus of the story shifts more to like yeah that sort of terminator-esque like how do we stop skynet from from happening right right like, and 
I don't. I, I I was I was surprised by how into it I was actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does some interesting things, and I kind of understand what you mean, Gel, when you said that the first two episodes do kind of need to exist as a as a pair. Yeah. Because oh, okay, there's a twist I, in episode two. I do think episode two is where I went from. This is kind of interesting to. Okay, now you have me. Like oh, this. All right, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, we, we should check it out later, but, like, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I, it was a very deliberate choice for them to put both of those episodes out. Yes, yes, because, time. like, I, I don't want to get into it, right, because, you know, but, like, it's... It's good. It, it, it sets it up in an interesting way, right? Because at first, you know, episode one clearly sets up the sort of, like, odd couple of the... the, the AI that's sent from the future and D.Va, and episode two does some interesting things with that dynamic that... yeah. I would like to see how that develops, especially because then episode two's next episode preview, episode three, had me going, wait, how do we get to that from the end of this episode? Yeah, I have, and I and episode three is out. I have, neither I, of us, no, I don't think, has had time to watch it, but um, they, they, I like the, the, there's so many small things I think the show does good, even if maybe the big picture is not, like, super creative or anything, but the the relationship between diva and this other ai that's gone back i can't remember his name is like they feel like robots talking to each other if that makes sense yeah, like like, like they wouldn't... don't like there there's a lot of cold hard robot logic and not as much like human emotion in their converse, in their interactions yeah like even even the other ai which inhabits the body of like this animatronic teddy bear like even though he is like clearly like it's clear that he has been programmed with the, like, jokey, affable trickster personality, but, like, underneath all of that, he is still very much a cold, calculating robot. Right. And I, it's, I just, it's interesting that they were able to capture that feeling yeah. in the dialogue of, like, like, this is actually this is actually two robots talking to each other. Yeah, this is not two like, humans talking to each other. I, I wouldn't dare, like, compare it to the heights of the thing I'm about to bring up. <laughs> but, like, it almost gave me a little bit of near Automata vibes of, like, whenever 9S and 2B would talk at the beginning. Right? Yes. The whole emotions are prohibited stuff. Like, right. there's a little bit of that in the dynamic between these two characters of, like... Yeah. You know, they are portrayed as, you know, fully sentient characters, you know, in, in, this, in the context of the, of, of the fiction, but... But the personalities are an artifice, right? Yes, totally. And I'm... I'm into it. I want to see where this goes, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there is so much room for this to go bad. Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm not, like, saying that everybody needs to watch this and it's going to be great, but it's done enough to intrigue me. Like, I, yeah. I want to know what's going to happen, like G said. So we'll have yeah. to uh, keep an eye on that one. All right. Uh, much more disappointing. We'll, uh-huh. I will talk about Dragon Goes House Hunting. Y'all said this looked like a show for me, and I agree. <laughs> and uh, it tech, I like the ingredients were there for it, and they just—it was just—it was just bad. Um, so again, the concept: this is a comedy about a dragon who gets kicked out of his house and has to go. He teams up with a shady uh, elf real estate agent to go find a house this feels like um, that feels like the pitch for like a will ferrell film from the mid 2000s yeah something like that oh, except man. except again this is like a literal dragon it's not like a human that is also a dragon it's like literally a dragon um but uh so and so you know i'm thinking the comedy is going to be like you know look how silly it is when they apply you know modern you know, modern day real estate lingo to uh you know 
fantasy setting, right? Right, like and, trying to like negotiate on the lease for the horrible poison swamp. Right, like they right? they do a little bit of that. Like the first scene is, is like um the real estate, the shady real estate elf uh selling a house to like these two slimes, and like they're going over their list of things that a slime would want mm. in a house, and it's uh-huh. like it's like okay, that's kind of clever and funny, and then they just kind of throw out the window when the dragon guy shows up and the humor switches over from that to wow this guy's supposed to be this big powerful dragon but he absolutely sucks at everything whoa and they just like grind that joke into fine <laughs> dust particles th- throughout the rest of the... yeah i i don't think any of us here watched it but just the way you describe the jokes and the screen caps you showed is just yeah like, so like i was telling you there's a couple things first of all the dragon he's super annoying because he's like a total crybaby like there's there's one scene where he literally just cries for thirty seconds on on screen right. until the characters take pity on him, um, and and it's like it's not like in a like a you know underdog sort of way. like he was like a dragon from a rich family and he just sucked so they kicked him out like and he doesn't do anything to help himself <laughs> he just like rolls around in a ball and cries so like, like are we meant to hate the main character then like is he meant I think to you're, be shitty? You're, I think you're supposed to, no, I don't think you're supposed to hate him I think you're supposed to think it's funny that like oh look he's supposed to be a big strong dragon guy and he sucks um the other thing is like they go heavy into the video game mechanics and they don't have to at all right. like there's I, absolutely I no reason just like I told do so, not understand I, this I already told you guys the worst example, but so but for the listeners, like there's one part where he has to fly up a tree, and rather than saying, "Oh, I never learned how to fly," he says, "I never unlocked the fly action," and I'm like, <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing, right? Why? Look, guys, wizardry was an extremely yep, uh-huh, influential uh-huh. game. They're making on a Japanese new one for smartphones. Fantasy. Yes. Okay, but like this, just... this just breaks the basic like rule of storytelling, which is basically if you can do it with less, do it with less. You know, yeah. I've I never under- like... I've never understood like the fascination with with the whole kind of like oh well, it's much more interesting if you explain the system behind it. You because, know, because Japan's like... foundation right. with, with Western European fantasy vector, right? was based on video games, right? Right, right. Like, right. It didn't come right. from it didn't come from Tolkien. It didn't come from like. You know, came from like Dragon Quest. Right? Came from, yeah, came from, from Wizardry, which yeah, came from Wizardry, and by extension, Dragon Quest. Yeah, yeah, like it's 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 they've always like their their conception of European fantasy is game. It, it's right, game yeah. Fight, right? I, I guess and it they, makes much more sense in that. And context. there have there have been shows that have taken the game mechanics and like done something with it to like build other types of jokes and things out of it. But this is just like completely unnecessary. You could you could yeah, have just that's... deleted them from, you know existence in this show right like at that point like it almost feels more like that's just like some like fucking out of date exec who's like well the kids like the video games so right. like put gotta the... appeal to the gamers right <laughs> um, yeah so yep real disappointed on that one because I, yeah. th- I like the potentials there that it's a good premise for comedy and i think it, it might get a little bit better because most of the episode he has not teamed up with the elf guy yet and by the end they're together so maybe once they get into the actual house hunting, it'll be a little bit better. But, but do you I care don't, to find out? I do not care enough to find so out. Let's so let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. All right. Uh, let's talk about the surprising return of The World Ends With You. Uh, <laughs> anime ba- based on the... Speaking of video game mechanics. Slash possibly borderline cult favorite, but I, is it a hit or is it a cult favorite? I would call I cult The classic. World Ends With You a cult, yeah. a cult classic. Like, okay, it is definitely uh, very well liked amongst certain people. 
Yes, uh, super stylish video game back on the DS many years ago. Yeah. Possibly the last good video game that Square Enix ever made. Yes, um, in fact, I would. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so, somehow it got an anime in 2021. And I think, as, I think it is as being a commercial for the sequel, video game. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's I guess they're is. finally making yeah. a sequel or whatever. But what did you guys think of the the anime? adaptation it's, it's, it's an fine. anime adaptation of the world ends with yeah. you and it's, um, uh, i think the integration of the game mechanic stuff is super clumsy like that they're literally doing the thing where like okay you have to kill have arrows enemies. on yeah. screen or something no but like just Not just quite, but... just kind of like there is no attempt to kind of adapt the context of the things they do in the game right. into it's like into was... like a, a narrative story right it's like right. the game they did could have just been we need to work together or something some right of, but like yeah yeah it had like a mission structure in the game to progress and plot happened during those missions but of course the anime still has the missions of kill five wolves or whatever oh right yeah yeah it it just feels it's, it's an interesting oh. i was just going to say it just feels lo- like nobody tried to streamline that aspect right. of the story yeah. i mean i feel it i feel like that's a I don't agree with that choice, but it's a choice you could make when you're literally adapting a video sure. game in a, in a video game that is also kind of video yeah. gamey in context, right? Right. Like, like I think I don't necessarily. I think, in fact, I think that like many of the world's ends with you mechanics are legitimately interesting, and I think are, actually do contribute to the plot in some key ways. I think, I think for me, where the world ends with you, the anime, like I, I need to see how it plays out further. Is that it was a video game, and not only was it a video game, it was a JRPG, which means there was a lot of incidental downtime in between the big plot beats, right? Like, you spent a lot of that game running around Tokyo, you know, talking to people. And you can't really do that in an anime, right? Like, you can't really yeah. have the scene of Neku talking to NPC number 33, right? Like, that just right. can't exist in, in an anime. So, like... They go through like the plot of the game like really fast. Like by the end of that first episode, I was like, "Wait, wait a second! Are we already at like okay? Neku's already choking out uh, Shiki. Wow, we are just already <laughs> we're already here, huh? Like it's right. it's it's moving extremely quickly, and um, it, it makes me wonder how they're going to handle this thing as a whole because it's just like it sort of like reminds me of like the Persona anime, right? Of like, can you actually fit the story of Persona into like a serial? 26 right. episode anime like probably not well i mean, I mean the main story yeah, but the, the plot, main story but not is the, not, not like... the texture of playing not, not the yeah. texture not the feeling right. right i mean that and... that's kind of the same issue which is there is not actually that much plot but at the same time there is a lot of plot i know that sounds yeah. kind of counter- but like you know it it's that a lot of things happen not all of them are, are important but a lot of them need to be included to get the verisimilitude of of the right. experience over um, I mean I that's kind of say... that's kind of why we never really get great the great game adaptations because you can't no, yeah. if if a game is if a game is very good a lot of it has to be has to do with it being a game and not a yeah. anime. I mean I, <laughs> like, I think it's right. fair to say that, that the best game stories take advantage of the medium being interactive in some form right. or another. Right. And and you can't it, it, like you can be the fighting, best anime you know, director yeah, like, in the world you can't recreate that in like anime. fighting fighting five wolves is interesting in a video game because the mechanics are interesting fighting five wolves in an anime is like well what's the well end point also here? in uh, i will 
also in a game fighting five wolves is a, is a means to an end but that end is yes. removed in a straight narrative adaptation yes. so how many times can you fight five wolves the answer is once before <laughs> right. it becomes boring I, I will say like in the favor of the anime I, I actually did legitimately enjoy the technical execution of many parts of it I think they did a fairly decent job of adapting the art style of the game yeah. in the anime like it, it, looks it looks like that yeah it looks like that game. It, it it gave me that feeling that like early two thousands like urban culture nostalgia that like that sh- that game embodied so well. At least until know. it begins to move. I think I think that the CG is like... no no. It's not the CG that's the problem. I think the CG is actually fairly well integrated. Okay, but... I thought the noise. I thought the CG for the noise yeah. was actually like surprisingly it, well done. It's just very limited. You know, like, yeah, the movement yeah. is very slow. It looks like they're animating uh, they on moving, threes or fours. Some moving picture yeah. action type of thing. Not, not quite that level, but it's more like you can tell that, like, they can't really truly capture the sort of, like, kinetic, like, franticness of the game's combat. You maybe get like, one big camera swing or one yeah, pan or something. Like, like. like the big the big highlight is probably just the way they adapt uh, Neku and Shiki's dual tech is, uh, is right. pretty fun. But even then, they reuse it twice in the same episode. And Yikes. so it's like, well, it was a cool animation. You don't... Okay, we're watching it again, I guess. It's like... Hmm. It, it's, yeah. it's an interesting yeah. situation. And you know what? I will say this. If this gives us a whole new soundtrack composed by The World Ends With You guy, or music that sounds like The World Ends With You, <laughs> like... I'm probably still here for it. There's at least one new track in the anime so far that is definitely not from the original game that, like, sounded like it would have fit the game perfectly. So, like, to me, that's already sort of a net gain. <laughs> right. In a lot of ways, the soundtrack is almost more of an enduring legacy than the game um, itself, right? So I will um... also shout out real quick that, uh, look, if the news comes out later that this dude actually did some really fucked up shit, I will immediately retract this statement. But in the meantime... I don't think they should have removed the Ali opening. Like, look, just because a drummer committed a little fraud doesn't mean <laughs> you need to you need to get rid of the whole song. All right, like. Oh uh, that... yeah, you know we talked about uh, the Jujutsu Kaisen ED, and of course the B Stars OP too, right? It's all the same people, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Ali. Do you think they're going to get retroactively pulled oh, off Netflix dude, I would or something? Be so fucking sad if that happened. Like, I... that would be, yeah. Well. You know, that said, they that replaced said. the OP with with Calling, like not even like a remix of Calling, just Calling the original track from the video game. That's and not, not bad. There's a part of that was like, you know what? That was a pretty good song. <laughs> uh, all right, it works. Are you guys gonna keep watching it? Probably Have a you... bit. I'll, I'll check out more of it. I I think I might give it a pass. Yeah. Well, speaking of a show that, uh, for some reason, I'm going to give a few more episodes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, 86. 86. 86. <laughs> you have to say both of you. Say 86. You have to 86. say both. 86, 86. Do we need to put a spoiler warning on this discussion, or is it obvious enough what's going to happen? I think it's obvious. Uh, as far as the, the, the twist. I don't think this. that twi- that twist was literally revealed in like the description of I, the I mean, show. I've heard there are yet more twists to come but okay but as far as what happens in episode one that's pretty obvious i think it's obvious like from like minute eight okay so this was the show about uh a future where your young young, pretty silver haired lady in right yeah 
but but it's they're they're fighting a war with quote unquote drones, uh, and she uh-huh. wanted to watch it because people were wearing brown military uniforms, but uh, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> it's completely correct. That is the entire foundation of why. So I they're so they're kind of going for like this, you know, split nation type thing, or I don't even know if it's a different nations or if it's just completely different perspectives on this drone warfare. I'm placing my bet that everyone in all in Silverhair land is on the moon or in space. Okay, yeah, so you, you've got we start out in the first half of the episode with, as Ira mentioned, the silver-haired moon people that are like this... Uh, Lovely you know, utopian society and right. everything's and everybody great is, because... Everybody our, looks exactly yeah. the same and yep. um, it's like culturally... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Homogenous. Homogenous. And, you know, our main character is this young lady who is like a genius wow, tactician or something. the youngest to ever reach the rank of major. Yeah, up, up and coming military officer. Yes, and, like, and she, the... she's she's a handler who controls the drones. Yes. Right. Oh. And the premise that is at least presented to the public is that the reason their society is so peaceful is because they have found a way to commit what they call ethical warfare, fought entirely with unmanned drones. Thus, there are never any casualties in the war with East Asia. It's right. not actually called East Asia, but we are getting... <laughs> but yes, yeah, the, the analogy it, 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 is... Yes, yes. We have always been at war with East Asia. And we're going to um, win in two years, and all war will be over, and it'll be great. Yes, yes, they can. and and of course the twist is that uh, actually there is a secret like district of their nation for whom they recruit exclusively for from to actually be the real pilots of the mechs that they use in warfare. Right, right. And, they, and, and, the, mil- the... and the military just get into their quad monitor setup rooms and enters game control the trolls them like RTS units basically. Right, but but the. The, the reason why the twist is kind of telegraphed is because, like, the main girl treats the drones like people, oh, basically, no. and everyone's right. like, like the people, wow, you're like, so weird. The drones weird. literally talk back to the handlers, so it's it's li- impossible for you to be even remotely convinced that, like... Right, the, but the, I mean, nobody, nobody in the military is convinced. Like, they all know is what I got right. out of that. It's just they, right, just, they don't the, care. Right, like, the most interesting, like, wrinkle of this for me probably was that, oh... This is actually not a particularly well-hid secret. But hey, guess what? The Holocaust was also not a particularly well-hid secret. The reality is that society just chose to accept, like, this monstrous situation for the sake of, like... The appearance of normalcy. Exactly, exactly. Right. But, um... But yeah, so you get the contrast of this, like... Super rich and clean utopian society versus, you know, when we go to the, the actual squadron uh you know they're in this like rundown barracks and uh you know coincidentally this is you know a multicultural group multiracial group of people that are being uh Uh controlled by uh these you know silver-haired moon people there's probably like a ton of themes to unpack and all this that i don't know if the show is even gonna come anywhere near exploring in some meaningful way but anime doesn't have an incredible record when it comes to kind of these very you know high concept underclass uh like class war things happening so the reality is that i'm mostly approaching this from the perspective of like I have a soft spot for anime military fiction. Like, 
I love Valkyria Chronicles. Ace Combat is like unironically in my like top five favorite fictional universes. <laughs> yeah, what is a nation? <laughs> yes, like like I legitimately love the Ace Combat world building. Like it's not that I like purely military fiction. It's that I like military fiction filtered through a very specific type of anime sensibility, and right. thus. Yes, if I were to try to interrogate 86 on some of the checks it seems like it's trying to cash, I think you would. It, it, it will probably prove out to fail eventually. But as a thing that gives me the same vibes as the first three episodes of Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, <laughs> I am willing to at least like entertain right. what this right. show like, is playing. We, with we all know how well that show delivered its message. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like that, that is why I said I won't right. entertain like, right I, now. I, I but... question the show's like intent on message when like specifically with the commander lady because she is your anime waifu who right. wears her mini skirt garter military uniform and changes on camera and Ugh. goes squee over cake and then cries so much for these soldiers that she's coming to her death from the safety of her quad monitor setup room and we're like I and it feels like we're supposed to take it seriously that she's the only one who really cares. Right, that's like where the... Yes, yeah, but, <clears throat> yes, it's those aspects where this definitely starts to fall right. apart, right? And, like, like, I'm way certainly way more invested in the people on the ground who are like, ah, we got a new fucking pig commander telling us what to do. Yeah, yeah, like... It's, and I'm like, yeah. You know, the, <laughs> you know the, the Suicide Squad kids that we see in the second half of the anime are very, like... You have seen, like, this archetype of crew members a million times in anime of the, like, ah, we're the, like, we're the rejects, but uh-huh. we're still pretty anime people, you know? But uh-huh. it that part works for me enough that I, I, I'd, like, I'd like to at least see how it plays out. But, yes, the, the silver-haired moon people side of it is where I am concerned it's not going to work out because, like... You know, we were treated to a scene where she enters the military HQ, and you literally see military officers just, like, drinking and smoking in the lobby. And it's like, right. look, I don't care how, like, unprofessional your military is. I don't care, like, how much of a sham this whole artifice is. Like, it's just a little too comical, right? That, oh, right. she is the one good officer, and literally every right. other officer is this walking, gross caricature of, like, what military leadership I is. I mean, you're using and a sledgehammer like... to make a point when you need a chisel, basically. Right, exactly. It's like, you know, you can portray your military leadership as, like, scummy and shitty in ways that don't require you to, like, literally have shots of them, like, throwing empty beer cans into the fountain in the lobby. I mean, you know, it's... one might argue that if you're trying to keep up the masquerade, you might make more of an, like, make even more of an effort to portray yourself as outwardly professional, so... Right, so the fact that they don't, it's just, like, it, that part of it is, like, as you yeah. said, it's using a sledgehammer where, like, right. it's, like, it's that, completely unnecessary. Like, it might have been more effective to... It would have been more effective, rather, to have them just be acting professionally and be just that more, like... Well, like, cal- Callous towards... Right, like, go more, like, Yorha, glory to mankind angle, rather than, like... I mean, corruption right, is always more effective when it's when it's under the surface. You know, when, when right. you have to do a little digging to reveal the rot. And, uh... Right, so the fact that it's, like, so blatantly shown in, like, the opening... It, yeah, it's not a subtle show. It really isn't. And yeah. I'm not watching this show expecting, like, subtle or nuanced takes on the themes it's playing with. But mm-hmm. 
the spider tanks are kind of cool, okay? There's a little bit of wow cool robot going on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say they're how much just like, wow cool they're, robot they're like, is there. So the way the design of the spider tank is really fun because it's like it's like 80% gun, 20% legs. <laughs> like these these tanks are literally just walking like, platforms to transport these giant anti-material cannons. Yeah. And Bandai already announced that they're releasing <laughs> these spider tanks and i'm like i'm gonna buy a couple of those probably uh all right well i i i think the first episode was oh like a net positive it's i guess we're not feeling super great about it being able to maintain... I mean, yeah. uh, of all the premieres I watched, uh, of all the shows that we're talking about here that I will watch the second episode of, 86 is definitely on the shakiest foundation of them. Yeah. Right. Which is a pity, but, because uh, it seems to be playing with like some of the biggest themes going. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely bringing stuff up. Uh, right, it's which just... is why it has all the more reason or all the more ways to fail. So. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely more interesting than what I was expecting to say the least, yeah. at the very least. So, like, I you know, I got a lot of things to watch. So maybe I'll I'll hear what you guys say about episode two <laughs> first. But sure. I'm, I'll keep I'll keep my uh, you know keep an eye on that. All right, let's talk about my possibly favorite show. <laughs> oh my god. Mm. You, you got a lot. You got a lot. Of, you got a lot to sell here, Jill. All right, let's talk about Pretty Boy Detective Club. <laughs> this was the reuniting of uh, author Nisio Eisen and oh, uh, director Aki Akiyuki Shimbo over at Shaft. Getting the crew um, back together, huh? This this show. So this felt like like peak like late 2000s shaft like really super weird but without any of the well not really any of the the pervy stuff hmm. just like weird shimbo's weird directing and like it like it's like if it were half a step weirder it would feel like an ikahara anime like that kind of thing um but but my issue with that comparison which happens occasionally is that Shimbo's symbolism never seems to be in service of anything, you know, and certainly Ikuhara falls into that as well sometimes, but, you know, he he, he seems to be weird for the sake of being weird, which is fine, you know, I think it produces well, some interesting shows, but... Have you have you watched this? No, thing? no, I have not, I, I must disclaim that up front, okay. although I have watched a considerable amount of Monogatari against my will, so... <laughs> uh, this is, yeah, no, I, I would, I think you... I don't know if you would like it, but I think you should watch it. Um, I, I plan the, to. The, there is, like, when I say it, it feels like that peak era from, you know, 10 years ago, I also feel like there is a certain evolution to both Nisio Eisen's writing and the directing that feels better <laughs> than those days. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the general premise is there, there is a pretty boy detective club. And the, there are three rules to Pretty Boy Detective Club. Number one, be pretty. Number two, be a boy. Wait, which they kind can, of I, clarify. can I guess the third one? Well, no, well, just, I, I want to guess it. Finish. Is it don't talk about Fight Club? That's the fourth <laughs> one. Oh, okay. um, the, the second rule is, is be a boy, which they sort of clarify as more of uh, 
maintain your youthful spirit. I will summarize it that way. And, uh, and yes, rule number three, be a detective. And, um, it's very, it's kind of the, so the main character is a girl who goes to the pretty boy detective club to help her find a star, which was her inspiration for her dreams as a youth wanting to be an astronaut and all that. But her parents have told her now to give up on her dreams now that she's, you know, going to be entering, uh, second year of middle school or something like that and she's lost her way and now she's come to the pretty boy detective club to find her way and it's very like high concept surreal sort of presentation and um i kind of loved it (laughs) okay does it still Um, do the nisi oisin thing where people just talk forever there is a lot of talking we are not anywhere near monogatari levels on it um and trust me, I was ready to hate this thing because the first thing you see is a quote from the quote from Voltaire about <sighs> defending your whatever. Oh and I'm like, boy. oh god, here we go. And there is still some of the like the, the big Nisioice and trademark in the writing is the, you know, well, there's this is something, but really it's something else. You know, like, you know, one of the opening lines is um, something to the effect of. You know, it's beautiful to pursue your dreams, but it can also be beautiful to give up on your dreams or something. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. But by the end of the episode, I was pretty sold on it. Um, And and there's... So, here's another... I don't want to give away too much. Here's another question, then. How much of it is improved by the simple fact that they cannot or will not just relentlessly ogle the cast? I mean, that's one of the biggest criticisms you could probably have of sh- of Shaft from that era, right? So if you take that out, it does help quite a yes. bit. Yes. Um, I, I mean, like, I'm not being facetious. I do think that <laughs> yeah, without I, that, I mean, you know. Yeah, and I, I feel like there is more... Um, there's more... When you take that element out, there's more room to explore the characters and themes than, and not just, oh, look, hot anime characters. Yeah, and, and, and like, I, I think there's... I, a dist- I will oh. note... There is at least a little bit of ogling. Like, there's one of the boys. His thing is, he I have beautiful legs, and the camera, and that's the pretty much the only time Shimbo decides to pull out his creeper cam is uh, when they talk about his legs. But other than that, uh, it's not anywhere. If we were to go in a time machine and go back to you know the early you know Bakemono Guitari days or something like that, it's not anything. In yeah, that I was going to say the camera is not literally like flying up between people's legs and stuff right like and and i think there's an interesting debate to be had there as like well should it do that you know should should there really be equality here and should the boys be getting just as naked as the ladies but you know there there is there is some of that that's why i said most of the perv cam is gone there is there is still some of it if you if you're looking for the you know equal opportunity with the boys so it's not like it's not like, oh, they're boys, so you know, obviously we're not going to do any of that stuff anymore. So there's still a little bit of that, but it's it's not um, as overwhelming, I guess, as we would have seen in the past. Also interesting, this does not happen in the first episode, but I think they're implying that the main girl gets turned into a boy at some point. I don't know sure. what if that's going to happen or 
if they're going to go anywhere I with mean, that. I mean, you want to talk about could... Ikuhara-esque things. Playing with gender <laughs> yeah. lines is very much a thing. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. But there, there's a lot of... It's a, it's a good balance of bringing up the themes that I think the show is going to tackle, which is really centered around the, the whole, you know, do you continue to pursue your dreams or do you give up and live like a quote-unquote normal person um, as the, sort of the crux of the show and a lot of other sort of vague things that they can work with in the future on it. And I just really love the presentation of it. Yeah, I mean, when um, Shimbo is on, he produces astonishing yeah. looking stuff. The the other big difference between now and 2009 is they have money. <laughs> it looks very good. I, I mean, Monogatari um, looked very good. You know, stuff like Sasami-san I, looked good. The, 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 like... Well, I'm, I'm going back to, like, Sayonara's Itsobu Sensei or something like that. But okay. The... The like mid to late two thousands shaft when part of the joke was that they, you know, were did not have yes. any money. Uh, even you might even want to say the like pre Modica era, because that's when they really hit it big. But the uh, yeah, I, I, it, I, I'll admit some of that was sort of the nostalgia of that era hitting me watching this a little bit. But I just thought it was very entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it and, it, it certainly sounds like something that is uh worth giving a shot at the least yeah and i'm not trying to sell you guys because zig zig you act, you might like it i think you should watch it i know yeah you i know I, you would hate it i'm tell i'm i'm <laughs> so i'm talking to the audience out there that yeah. might be into this but and i really like, like it. it's worth pointing out as well that as much as i hate the monogatories i think episode 12 of Baka Monogatari is one of the best episodes of anime I've ever seen. It's just yes. every other episode of that show is unbearable. <laughs> so, you know, like he has, Nisioisin has his moments, you know. When, when the, when the, yeah, when they're hitting on all cylinders, they can make very good content. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say this was their best work, but it was Sounds like it it's, was, it's worth uh, worth checking it out. Was, uh, it, was, it was pushing the right buttons for me personally. Cool. All right. From that, well, speaking of pushing buttons, <laughs> let's go to uh, "Don't Toy with Me, Miss Nagatoro." I don't think you guys haven't had a chance to watch this, uh, right? No. Not yet. I meant to, but uh, I have All no right. intention to watch this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as the refresher, this was the show about the uh, sad sack uh, second year high school kid who gets bullied by his underclassmen, but you know since she's a cute girl it's okay uh <laughs> and all right let me let me preface this first by saying this was not nearly as bad as it could have been um there are worse things i have watched this season including probably the uh the one about the adult men romancing the high school girls i mean from from a thematic perspective yes that's way worse yeah um that said, uh, I I hated this. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the question I would have for like for you is how much is this thing just like purely a fetish thing? Like, because I ain't here to kink shame anybody, but like, if that's all that's it like is, then second. That's the second podcast episode in a row we've like, had to say that. But ninety five percent of this show is okay. Is so right i mean that's kind of so here's the thing like ostensibly this should be like a comedy right yes um 
they don't really make any effort to make jokes. It's just like literally her bullying him. Um, like, for example, there's one bit where she's like, oh, hey, I have something to tell you. Do you want to go out with me? And he's like, uh, and she's like, psych, ha, I was just joking. And that's it. That Like, th- that's not oh, even a joke. Yeah, like, that's yeah, just that's, like, <laughs> that's just like, man, like, that's, I mean, that's barely even bullying as well, you know? Because, yeah, like, well, I mean, that that's the other thing, like, I don't want to grade bullying, but what she's doing, at least yeah. in episode one, is not really all that, like, intense. I don't know if it's going to get worse as time goes on. I mean, on. the reality is that the... this manga came a long way from its origins. Like, it's yes, very we... much a, it is a far tamer, cleaner version of... We, we talked about last time in the preview how yes. this was its original incarnation was basically porn. Um, yes. <laughs> but, which in itself is not necessarily... I, I mean, a lot of bad. great anime have started but... in that sort of realm, so... But the, there's really, it really does feel like um, it's just masochist fetish material. Right. Like, okay, so I'll give you one more example. And I'm still trying to figure this one out. So <laughs> first of all, first of all, the, the main guy is just like, so, like, he's just like, he's like a total, it's kind of like the, when I was talking about the dragon in the dragon show. He's a total crybaby. Like he he's he's he spends the entire episode just practically crawling on the ground, shivering and crying. Right, but, and but before before the before the girls even do anything. But this him, is like, not just like, this is not intended to be like taken seriously, right? Like it's not like an anal- It's not like a deep analysis of a broken mind. You know, he's. Oh yeah. no, they have they have they have a flashback scene where he was getting bullied in the past, and that's why he's so sure. Uh, yeah, but but I don't think that's what they're trying to do with this. I think it's they just want somebody who is going to sit there and take it as this girl steps on him. Yeah. Um so that 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 in itself was annoying to watch. But like there was one there was one really weird bit that I'm still trying to unpack where it was like, okay, this is not the, So she's like she she's like making fun of his like she finds out that he draws manga and she found it and she's like making fun of him about sure. it. Sure. And he starts he literally starts crying. They're like in the library. And they have this one scene where she takes her handkerchief and they get to like this extreme close up of his eye <laughs> and her putting the uh-huh. handkerchief up to his eye and soaking up his tears. Okay. And it goes on for, like, an uncomfortably long amount of time. Okay. And I'm like, is this, like, a sex thing that I'm not aware of? Or <laughs> It sounds like it. <laughs> like, what is what is happening? There's, like, this uncomfortably long amount of time. I mean, maybe it's intended to depict vulnerability? Like... It's, it's, but it's, like, it's, like, all the way zoomed up into his eyes. So like, all you see is, like, the handkerchief, his eye, and, like, the handkerchief absorbing his tears. And then she gives him the handkerchief. And... And maybe the episode director like, harbors ambitions to make a saw movie one of these days. I'm like, is this some like, <laughs> is this some like mysterious girlfriend X level of like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what was going on, man. But none of it felt like a comedy, and all of it felt like, you know, mysterious girlfriend X actually was a sex thing. So also yes. uh, mysterious girlfriend, mysterious girlfriend X. That show was actually, girlf- See, that show recently was actually re- great. Recently re-released so, on Blu-ray. So uh, yeah. And that show is actually great. So you can do this, 
but uh... I, I mean, I guess that's that was the root of my question: is that like you know, is this is this a show that happens to have this thing in it, or is this just this thing? You know, it's it's right, it's just this right. thing, and there's not like, and there's not even like a lot of like explicitly sexual things going on screen. It's but like you can tell like it's it feels like it's just like designed in a lab to appeal to a certain sure section of the anime I mean, fandom or something. There is a place for those things, but as mainstream but, entertainment but, perhaps not. But if you're if if you're looking for something that's going to be like a fun charming comedy in spite of the fetishy stuff, that's you're not going to get that here. Uh so I don't know. It's just one one day I will, you know, write my 20 page essay on the evolution of this genre from you know <laughs> takagi san to zaki chan to this but uh i'm 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 too tired to go through all that now but yeah all right uh another okay i want i some of these shows didn't make it on our preview because we didn't think they were going to be good but i wanted to mention them uh one of them being super cub this is the the, motor, the girl gets a motorcycle show. Yes. Okay. The, the so is the, the stick in this anime. one also? Or? No. So here, here's Does the... Does this actually I was, have I was not pl- like licensing from Honda? Because like the Super Cub is yes. a trademark. So... Yes. Yeah. It, there is um, there is some pretty significant Honda product placement right. <laughs> in this one. But no, I actually liked this because uh, it turned out I was expecting it just be another, you know transfer student joins the school club uh-huh. uh, show but uh, it's not it's like a hardcore slice of life show so like for all those people out there who are sad that uh, laid back camp and uh, Nanan Biori ended last season this is the show for you check this one out um, you know by hardcore slice of life I mean like there's almost no sound or dialogue nor no music or dialogue it's a lot of this girl huh. just riding her motorcycle around and enjoying her life, okay. which I I liked. I it was a little little dry, I will admit, but like the I think in the next episodes they're going to be introducing more characters. I think if that can kind of inject a little a little more life into it, I, I think it'd, it'd be just like a nice, chill, pleasant show to watch. And I know those other two shows I mentioned are very popular, particularly laid back <laughs> camp. But um, so yeah, I, I, I depending on what is left after some of these shows inevitably disappoint us, I, you know, I may continue watching this. But um, you know, I liked it as far as filling that that uh, the need for that genre in. Um, let's keep moving because we are over time. <laughs> Let's talk about Odd Taxi. Yeah, this was a yeah. this was a surprise, huh? Yeah. yeah, this is the sleeper. This is the one. Yeah, this is um. So Odd Taxi is like cute Animal Crossing people. Uh, is a plot like some like, drug smuggling. It, it's about a it's about a walrus taxi driver. A walrus hitting. who was apparently abandoned in the back of a taxi as a child, and so decided to become a taxi driver. So, yes. the, the thing I wanted... And he gets the thing I wa- tied up in some yeah. things. The thing I want to put out about this one is that like, the, the way we've introduced it, it makes it sound like, it's cutesy, but it's dark. 
joke and right. and i think no, it's actually it's a good deal more subtle than that you know right. oh yeah definitely like it has i, th- I think it, it has a weird lived in vibe you know it feels very authentically you know the people are worn down they have inane conversations about stupid things this could have, this could have just been a like live action drama absolutely yeah but rather than a live action drama it's animal people yeah and, it's yeah. and, <laughs> and they occasionally allude to that but it's Here's not the thing, if you're um, doing this as an anime like it's better to do it this way than to just draw regular human beings i think right right um but yeah no zig i know what you're saying because it's i wouldn't describe it as dark but it does get heavy like I there think... are it various societal issues it, and things a, that it brings it's up adult not in the like pornographic sense but right. in the sense that right. it feels very much like a show written for grown-ups by grown-ups yes and, and but that said we all say this but also like there is like there is the implication of something a little bit more sinister going on in the background yeah. like I, I don't mean to say like ah like yes yeah, dark dark but like you know they talk about how the walrus guy our, our protagonist is like not sleeping right yeah. he needs medication yeah. and he, he is looking to get stronger medication, he seems right? to uh, like be on the books of the cops already right he is he is chummy with corrupt policemen i mean um, he's not there is a baboon with a gun out there on yes. the streets man um the the lovely nurse is smuggling girl, prescription the... drugs out of the clinic yeah right. yeah the nurse is, is smuggling drugs like it's and again, you're right that these, this is adult in the sense of, like, yes, actually, these are all actually surprisingly mundane things that happen in the real world every day, right? Like, yes, like, everything we just said is probably happening in the world right yes. now. But as the subject matter and being presented in the way it is, like, I think it's the moment where, like, the walrus is, like, talking, like, seemingly, a lo- like, implied to be to, to, to be to someone, but that person is not shown in his apartment. Right. Like really started yeah. to like send a chill. So down it, my spine it's it's heavily like, implied is... that the missing like the missing team. high school girl third show about uh, high school girls hmm. and adult men. Um, yeah, but okay, but like, like the thing, but then it's like, well, what's why is she in the yeah. closet? <laughs> why is she not? Saying and he keeps anything, saying right? like he a... keeps saying you and... you know you can run away, you know you can leave at any point, right? Right, and it's like. Why do you got to so, tell so yourself like, that, it, buddy? It, right, so it's like, is, is the walrus just, like, gruff and bad with words? Or, like, what... And again, I'm not saying, yeah. aha, he's a kidnapper or something, and he's delusional, but it's like, there's a there's enough of, like, a... There's, there's enough of, yeah. of, like, implication of a, of a type of tension in the in the, in the pre- presentation of the story I, that I'm, like, I, I want to yeah. see where this goes. I mean, I, yeah. I joked about this when we were watching it, and I think it is a joke, but... There's there are a few parallels to the famous film Taxi Driver here, you know, in yeah. the sense that like you know there is a taxi driver, a older, slightly more cynical man who is protecting, he thinks a young girl. There's a bunch of bent cops and all sorts of weird things going around. I think it's probably a coincidence, but it's a, it's a nice, nice, nicely fitting one. Um, yeah, and it definitely has that sort of like early seventies Scorsese sort of like worn down grizzled protagonist yeah. stuff going on and, and it's very funny to talk about it like that when yeah. like again the presentation is like these characters are like animal crossing yeah. like there, there, yeah. there's a sheep I- uh, there's a poodle idol you know who sings idol right. songs and stuff it's uh yeah it's fascinating 
Zig, I don't know. You mentioned Taxi Driver. They did make a We Are the World joke, so this would be the age demographic yeah. of people that oh, would be making God, taxi references. Totally so. <laughs> <laughs> we Are the World is a bad song. Sorry, guys. It's, it is. It's, it's a, a really terrible, terrible song. song. But, like, great cause, uh, terrible song. Well, you know what's a good song? The OP. Shout out to the OP. <laughs> okay, the yes, the OP taxi. was great. Yes. Oh, man, that OP bangs hard. Holy shit. Like, I was not ready for... <laughs> I was not, not ready, ready for anything for that. that was happening with the show, right. to be honest. But uh... and and you know, I think the way we've talked about it might make it sound like a bit grim. And I, I want to emphasize it's not that. You know, again, it is not dark in that sense. It's it is, you know, kind of just a little bit, like I said, ground down in the way that sometimes real life is. You know, like there's there's a sense of all these people are doing the thing they do and sometimes that just gets to you a little bit. You know, it's it's not an aesthetic we see a lot in anime, which tends to be, you know, it's very operatic. Things are crazy, you know, everybody is at maximum emotion all the time and, and uh, right. you know, I like... Well, you're... you're anime is usually dealing with high school kids who are going to yeah. be like that more so right. than like adults there's, there's, there's a, there's a, are... like a fun lived inness of it right like right. there's that great conversation with like the fucking influencer the monkey oh or, or i was gonna say with the monkey who's like just like swiping like on tinder right? <laughs> yeah it's like he changes his income to like 10 times what it actually mm-hmm. is and like he asked the kangaroo bartender, "Hey, would you marry me?" She's like, "No." Hell no. <laughs> it's because I'm. He's like, "It's because I'm broke, is it?" And she's like, "Yeah, dude, money's an important thing in a relationship." Yeah. <laughs> or just like, like uh... again, to go back to the bit with the influencer, you know, just the yeah. total palpable disconnect between our main character and this, you know, twenty-something yuppie trying right. to make it he big on Instagram. Doesn't understand yeah. it. At yeah. All. yeah. It, it works right because later he is seen like talking with like somebody in his age group and they are they have their own dumb inside jokes yeah. right about bruce springsteen, you know, springsteen yeah there's a bruce like... springsteen reference in this show what the <laughs> hell yeah, right it's like but it works right because like in a, in a ways that is his generation's like yeah weird like in in uh, pop culture know, touchstone impenetrable like yeah, yeah right. cultural touchstone it's like yeah it works it works it's a it's a really nice surprise yeah, um, I, I it'll it'll be interesting to see where they go with all that. They, they they're setting up they like you said, G. They're setting up a lot of weird, potentially dark things in the future. Uh, look, I'm I'm just waiting but, until uh, they, this walrus uh, fist fights that baboon <laughs> under the bridge in the last episode. Yeah, yeah I was gonna is is this our or is this like our uh, substitute <laughs> for B stars this season? Feel like it's over for now. Uh, I don't know, but. <sighs> We'll see. All right. All right. Final show. Yep. You guys asked me to put the uh, the yep. Godzilla show that is currently in Netflix hell, I believe, uh, yep. on here. Godzilla Singular yeah. Point. Speaking of yeah. Nisi Oisin, um I think you're wait, full of shit, this... dude. When you keep when you wait, keep what? like saying that this is exactly like Nisi Oisin. Oh right. Like, you, you mean in that particular way, rather than the way you think I'm full of shit generally? I needed <sighs> clarification there. All right. All right. All right. So. Let, let's 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 back up a little bit. I mean, it has the Godzilla name on it. How much of this is actually Godzilla, or what's going on? That's the interesting thing. So far, very little. Okay, like, it's a really. I I, I kind of don't. Oh, sorry. Like, go on. Go sorry, on. Go ahead. I was just gonna okay, say. Guys, I, think I don't want to spoil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, dang it. G, you go first. <laughs> I don't want to spoil like too much, but there's a very good reveal at the end of episode one that, like, at least to me. 
I was instantly hooked. The second, like, they reveal something at the very end of the, of the debut episode, I was like, okay, I need to see, like, what is going on here. And the reason is, I think that this Godzilla anime that's doing really... What it's doing very strongly, in my opinion, is... It's doing a great job of, like, what I think some of the best Godzilla movies do, which is the build-up to the, like... Build-up to the arrival of the monster, right? Like, we as the viewer kind of are, like there's a little bit of like a slow moving horror aspect of it right like these people who have no clue what's going on are like you know they're looking at the readings and the, at the at the radio station and they're analyzing the weather patterns and they you know they don't know what's going on but something strange is happening to their world and th- there's a very fun like creeping tension towards that that reveal that i think the the anime has done really well so far I think it's super interesting the way they're choosing to approach it, you know, and, and I think that G is absolutely right, you know, they they understand that in any sort of, you know, uh, Godzilla-based piece of media that at least half the battle is making the build-up to Godzilla actually good, and I think, you know, by tying it into the whole, uh, what is it they called, humors, U- UMAs, unidentified massive like animals that, yeah. or whatever it is, um, you know, they're tying it very closely to kind of like weird, quirky, like modern conspiracy theory stuff, and that that seems like an... Oh, so like Godzilla is just like another Bigfoot or something? Uh, right, like sort of an ancient yeah, aliens. Like, and, and I think that's a really interesting direction to... Uh, to take the show you know and i think it does have this i mean a little bit like odd taxi you know it does have this sort of unsettling ambience where like we the audience know that something big is going down because this is a show about godzilla but like the the characters are just sort of like picking through the pieces to try and find it um for what it's worth i'm mostly joking about the nisioisin stuff but um i think there is a lot of talking. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot and, of talking. <laughs> and I think sometimes that's good because it, it gives us, you know, good sketches of the characters. And, and some of the dialogue is just good. You know, there's just some good, shitty, inane dialogue. But there's so much talking, it can be a little bit wearing sometimes, you know. And, and I, I think there is a middle ground they could have found here. I think I, mean, I can understand it, that criticism. Is this his original project, or was it like a novel or something? Or? I think it's original, isn't well, it? I think it's original, but... I think I, I feel like usually when you get too much talking, it's because it's a novel, but... Uh... <laughs> well, it seems like they are... Again, I'm not familiar with the literature. It does seem like they're quoting something, right? Like they're quoting like either literature or something, because there's, there is that vibe to it. Like The thing I kept saying watching like the first two episodes is like, okay, like, I'm not a super hardcore Godzilla guy, so, like, a lot of this is probably going over my head, but there is just, like, the, the way certain, like, shots are framed and certain pieces of dialogue are delivered to me feels like, oh, like, this was intended for somebody who is, like, deep into the Godzilla it, stuff. It feels very postmodern, and I don't mean that in kind of the obnoxious nudge-nudge, wink-wink way in that it it's often used, but it feels very much like a story that's like okay you know you know godzilla we know godzilla so let's let's run run in circles around the ideas a little bit and see where it takes us also there's a shitty jet jaguar being built yes. in somebody's garage yes. and it fights a shitty rodan in this in the second oh okay, that, now, now you're see, talking... that sounds good i've only seen the first episode so now, oh, now you're talking man. uh <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> 
So like it's it's some like, and, and here's the thing: I think it actually still works within the context of the show. But like to give some background, the like kind of shitty conspiracy like ancient alien dudes are like led by like this crazy old man whose dream was to I guess build a fighting robot, and he builds. Jet Jaguar, um, a mainstay of the Godzilla expanded universe of, of well, <laughs> of a sort. He's fairly and, iconic um, a, of the series. A cult member of the Godzilla yes. expanded universe. Let's yes, say. except it's like it's it's Jet Jaguar if it was built in somebody's basement. So like, it's walking on these like really shitty stumpy legs, and its hands are like. You know, basically just like industrial car building robots, but painted in Jet Jaguar's colors. It looks like it's made out of paint cans and pipe cleaners and stuff. You know, obviously it's not, but it has that aesthetic. But it kind of works because the first kaiju that shows up is, well, I'm not sure if it's Rodan or like some Rodan knock. Okay, it is definitely Rodan. But, well, the problem is that there's like... Well, yeah, but you know. Yeah, so, so Rodan shows up, but it's like not like, you know... I mean, he's not kaiju size Rodan. Right, he is like maybe slightly large, like a pterodactyl size Rodan, maybe like, right, you know, the size of a of a car size, big Rodan. but not like skyscraper size. Right, so like it almost like perfectly fits that these two have their really like fucking shitty clumsy fight in the middle of the street because like, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're both so mundane compared to like their much more grandiose like you know, film counterparts, it's... All right. <laughs> and, and there's a fun, there's a fun, there's a fun, like, energy to it, and I'm not saying that, like, oh, well, clearly Jet Jaguar is the hero who will save us from the kaiju menace, but, like, it, it kind of, like, leans well into what the first episode did of, like, these are regular people, right? Like, these are not government agents, these are not, like, you know, these are not scientists working in top-secret labs, like, these are regular citizens who maybe just happen to be paying attention to the right signals and as a result like by sheer happenstance they are the most equipped to deal with you know the situation but that doesn't mean that you know they're necessarily good at their jobs and i think that you know it it sort of again plays into the postmodern angle you know you've got layers of story here so like you've got the the show in which obviously all the characters are fictional but then you have you know fake jet jaguar versus fake rodan for what it's worth and that's just like another layer of meta narrative on top of what will hopefully eventually be an appearance by real ass godzilla you know but it's just another level of of another level that the story is operating on Will we get Godzilla? I mean, that like, the end of that first episode I mean, seems fairly definitive. But what if uh-huh. what if this anime takes place in a post-Godzilla world is all I'm I saying. Mean, like, I mean, I think that's a safe bet, again, given the end of that first episode. But also, right. like, you know, if one character has a long history of being revived by various uh, deus ex machinas, uh-huh. Godzilla's up there. <laughs> yes. Right. I, I'd be hard pressed to think that you'd make a Godzilla series that doesn't have Godzilla at some point, even if it's like at the end or something. I don't know, but all right. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, is it more of like a like a serious type of show? Like, well, it's it's got a light I would not touch, I would I not say it is overly self serious. You know, like its characters are you know like they're not like you know comical, but they're a little goofy, right? Yeah. Like, you have your wacky you know, AI sidekick. 
Right, like the old man who built the robot has like a lazy eye, and he's like you know two feet tall or something. Like right, right. You know, uh, there's the, a there's the girl a little, who's like. Sorry, go ahead. There's a little bit of anime silliness to it. Of course, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks Netflix on that one. I guess. Yeah. yeah seriously. Um, well, we'll see how that goes. I'm already dealing with people who are like, "Oh, I won't watch Beastars until it's on Netflix." It's like, well. Now we have to deal with this with Godzilla also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or we were talking about... Yeah, there's quite a few. What was it? Eden Zero that oh, is right, technically yeah. out. I saw the announcement that, that that's not coming Shaman out the fall. Yeah. Christ. Uh, on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Well, Man, we'll look forward to... Man, people are going to have to wait uh, 52 weeks plus for Shaman King to drop on Netflix. Oh, man. Wait, well, is that, is that really to... what they're planning? To drop it all at once once it's complete. It's Netflix, right? They always do that. <sighs> no, they, 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 if it's really long, they'll drop part of it. You're first. right. You're right. They'll probably but, do like a great pretender of like. You're right. First you're half right. And like, but um, yeah. I mean, either way, they still might not drop it until you know September or something. Um, well, I look forward to uh, B Star Season Two competing for Anime of the Year in 2022. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it. That's a long one in the books here. We made it. There were a lot of shows. We made it. There's more shows that would will well, that were still straggling about. I think most notably, uh, to eternity. Uh, to your eternity has not aired as of us recording. Although it will have aired by the time this gets out. I but feel like the prestige stuff way. always comes out towards the end of the window. You know. Yeah, sometimes that works out that way. So we'll uh, we'll get on whatever's left next time. So. Let's uh let's wrap it up then. Uh, you can check out all of our written first looks uh, for all the shows that we've covered, many of which are not on this list, and many of which are bad, which is why they did not make it on mm. this list. Either bad or boring, uh, or not particularly notable. So, uh, you know, check us out there at theglorioblog.com for all of our written written first looks. Uh, I'm and, uh, I'm still working on putting together a f- post for the final episode of Wonder Egg Priority that should be out hopefully before this or, podcast gets posted. Or technically the second to last Well, no, I mean, this is the final episode and then there's a special presentation. Okay, if we want to call it, okay, yes, yeah. want to call it the, that. The whatever. final episode but, uh, for now. Yeah. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh Follow us on Twitter at the Glorio Blog. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course on YouTube. You can uh, where you can like, comment, subscribe, hit that uh, notification bell, etc., etc. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll catch everybody next time. <laughs>